Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It's always great to be saving money on that power bill, using technology wisely, and living a more sustainable life. Hey, I'm Tim Eccles, um, vice chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission, host of Energy Matters, and we have a very special opportunity today. I am here in Chambly, Georgia, at the Georgia Lions Lighthouse Foundation, and you're just not going to believe some of the fantastic things that they are doing out across our state. So it's a pleasure to welcome into our virtual studio Edwin Link, and I am so glad to be here at your property. Thanks, Tim. I, I so appreciate you having me on the show and, and for the opportunity to tell more people about what the Georgia Lions Lighthouse Foundation does. You know, a lot of people have heard of the Lions Club. What's the relationship between uh, the Lighthouse uh, and the Lions Club? So like so many wonderful civic organizations, Lions Clubs are volunteer-based. These are people in their local communities who come together and say, we want to make a change. I'm happy to say that back in 1949, a bunch of those Lions Clubs here in Georgia came together and said, we want to do something, and together our combined efforts, we can do more. And as a result, they started the nonprofit that is now known as the Georgia Lions Lighthouse Foundation. And you guys are involved with both vision and hearing. Let's talk about the hearing aid program first. Uh, it's, it, the program, the Georgia Hearing Aid Distribution Program, has been around uh, for a while, and the Public Service Commission, believe it or not, is involved with this program. And I think that's probably the most shocking thing for people who thought I just regulated energy, and now they hear that, uh, that me, along with our colleagues, somehow are involved in hearing aids. Yeah, so our organization has been involved in providing hearing aids to uh, low-income Georgians uh, for well over 30 years. But honestly, that program, our program, accelerated and vastly improved with the partnership of the Public Service Commission back in November of 2007 when the Georgia legislature allowed for this program to come into fruition, uh, which just really maximized the opportunity to leverage funds to serve more low-income Georgians throughout the state. You know, I guess if a person has been around a family member that had a hearing impairment or a vision impairment, they understand this. But what does the average person need to know about a child, a a baby that has a hearing issue? Yeah, so we know that one in five school-aged children in Georgia will experience some hearing loss. And we know that research shows that with hearing loss comes uh, tremendous challenges. It's not to say that a young person can thrive with hearing loss, but untreated hearing loss is going to be a huge obstacle to that young person learning, to their social-emotional development, and to their ability to academically achieve, and as we know, uh, thrive later in life as they proceed. So it it is a huge barrier, and unfortunately, we, we just don't have enough diagnostic information out there. So there are many young people and adults who go with untreated hearing loss as a result of simply just not knowing that their hearing isn't um, as well as it should be. What is the telltale sign that maybe my child has a hearing problem? Yeah, it can show up in any number of ways. Um, Some that are a little um, probably less prevalent and and a little more unknown to people. The, The most obvious ones are speech. If a young person's developing speech at a a slower pace than maybe some of their peers, it doesn't necessarily mean that's something wrong, but it certainly could be a uh, a flag that hearing is is not quite working the way it should. I also want to express, though, too, we often find in young people 
uh, maybe typically a little bit older, but they, they socially are withdrawn. They may not engage socially with their friends, with their teachers, as much as their peers because they're experiencing hearing loss and they don't quite know how to communicate it because, quite frankly, they don't know a world in any other way. So the parent, let's say the parent's having some financial issues. Maybe they don't have insurance and they, they see this, they're concerned. Someone tells them about the, the lighthouse. Then they make a phone call. What happens from there? Yeah, when we come into contact with um, someone who may know that they, in fact, if they've already gotten a diagnosis um, and they know their child or they themselves as an adult are experiencing hearing loss, they come into contact by us. Ideally, their audiologist knows about us and they know about this great program. There is an application process. We want to be very clear. We only want to use dollars in the most efficient and effective use in serving uh, patients who need us most. And when that person jumps through uh, the application process, they then are, they still stay with their provider, with their audiologist. We work with a whole network of audiologists throughout the state, and we're able to financially support them so that they can stop worrying about the money and they can get the hearing care that they need. And to get a hearing check, it's not just one appointment, is it? It's multiple appointments. How, How does that work? Yeah, there's a whole host, a whole battery. So it's uh, hearing and audiology is a much different breed than maybe what we might experience on the vision side, which I know we'll talk about later. But it's it is it's it's an ongoing. There are going to be frequent visits. Um, so, for instance, when a young person, a child, gets diagnosed with hearing loss, they then have to go to a dispensing audiologist who can ensure that they're going to get the right device. These devices are highly technical, highly varied based on the user's um, needs, and then they have to get fitted. So they got to get an ear mold made. They have to go back and get it fitted. And even more importantly, because this device is right in their ear, they have to go at least four times back to the audiologist to ensure that it's been properly um, worn as well as properly used. I guess a young person maybe whose hearing has come alive, they're actually excited about that? Have you, have, you, have you seen a change in demeanor? Yeah, we most recently were able to help a family uh, that was in financial need, um, and this family was experiencing duress. We partnered with a few different groups. The hearing community is wide and, and wonderful. They all want to care and help. And as a result, uh, this was a baby. We were able to get to them early. This is a good story because the baby was diagnosed early. There was financial hardship. However, because of this program and thanks to our partners at the Public Service Commission, we were able to meet the need of that child and that family. And as a result, this is pre-verbal, so the child's not yet speaking. Uh, But the amount of noise the child is already making and babbling back and forth with the mom has increased exponentially. And as you can imagine, the joy has increased. What a great story. Let's talk about vision just for a minute, because this is what I think a lot of people know the Lions Club for, collecting glasses, maybe having an optometrist optometrist come in. But it's more than that, isn't it? It is. We're lucky uh, as an organization because we can, from soup to nuts, ideally serve a patient in need. Again, there's that basic screening. We can do that. We can serve with a full vision exam. And we're unlike any other group uh, in the state in that we're a nonprofit, but we have a full optical lab, which is downstairs in this very building, which allows us to fabricate the glasses at a fraction of the cost, reducing those barriers to any patient. Then, and that uh, we work with a whole host of ophthalmologists throughout the state that uh, will help us work out surgeries. So if it gets even to that point with a patient, we can do it. So it's really the full continuum. Of, of ocular health that we like to provide. Do you find that there's more eye issues, uh, more people that need some vision adjustment than hearing adjustment? You know, that's interesting. I don't have any hard data in front of me, but I will say I, I would hazard a guess that, yes, that you see it more on the vision side only because more individuals are more apt to ask for help in that area. They're more attuned to the fact that this is a problem. Um, my, my vision is blurred or even worse, I'm having some other challenges. It's more apparent to them. And so as a result, I do think we see more patients on that side. Besides the hearing program and the vision program, are there other things uh, that you all are involved in? Well, 
the reality is, is health and the public health space doesn't end at one area. It doesn't end at hearing, begin at hearing. It doesn't end at vision. It doesn't begin at, at, at vision. So we really have to be thoughtful in, in all the different partners um, and how we serve the population we need to do. And, and I, I did want to share with you that there's a few things that we have to keep front of mind for us. And the reason this work is so important, in 2019, 1.4 million Georgians were uninsured in the state. Another 408,000 of those Georgians, separate of that number, excuse me, were, were what we call underinsured, meaning they make enough that they can't qualify for federal programs, but they're not making enough to, quite frankly, uh, you know, thrive in the ways we would want them to do. You know, this is a financial imperative. Uh, the Hearing Institute released a study that also said that for adults with undiagnosed hearing loss can lose up to $30,000 a year in wages. That's not just an individual problem. That is a community problem. That's an individual who's no longer able to to give back, you know, sustain themselves, but also give back to their local community. So it, it, it's a real issue. Um, and we're happy to work with FQHCs, with other charitable clinics throughout the state, and with other um, doctors who will have us. Just in our last minute, I know that I've seen volunteers working here before um, because y'all do get all these glasses and you have to sort them and do all that. Are there volunteer opportunities for folks? There are a ton of volunteer opportunities, whether it's you want to collect locally, do something as simple as collecting used eyeglasses or hearing aids and, and cell phones. We will collect those. We, in turn, um, do many things. We always like to say we are the Georgia Lions Lighthouse Foundation. We are, we are focused on Georgia, but we have international impact. So these eyeglasses come into North America's largest eyeglass recycling facility, which is here in our office, by volunteers. They're washed, they're sorted, and then they're distributed throughout the, the, throughout the world. How can folks find out about, uh, about your programs and, and maybe be a volunteer or make a donation? Yeah, please visit our website at www.lionslighthouse.org. There are many different pages there in which you can volunteer, you can sign up to volunteer, donate, and just get to know a lot more about what we're up to. And what if a young person wants to be an audiologist and help young people for the rest of their life? How cool would that be? I would say please reach out to me. I am myself not an audiologist, but please reach out to me. My contact's on there, but additionally, you can reach me at elink, E-L-I-N-K, at lionslighthouse.org. Email me, and I will do everything I can to see to that dream. Thanks so much for being on Energy Matters. Thank you. Energy Matters would like to thank GasSouth for its support of the show. GasSouth has a no-deposit policy and offers some of the lowest per-therm rates in the state. Use the promo code MATTERS for a special deal. GasSouth, the difference is good. Hey, Tim Eccles here, host of Energy Matters. Solar's growing like crazy in Georgia, and I certainly say buyer beware. It's great to have companies like Creative Solar USA on the job. Russ, why do folks need to reach out to you? Tim, we're going on to our 14th year, and we have the best staff and most experienced installers in the state to get the job done right. You can find out more at creativesolarusa.com or call 770-485-7438. That's creativesolarusa.com. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AMLAW 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters in Athens, Georgia with Frank Gordon of the National Ready Mix Concrete Association. And we're at a Habitat for Humanity dedication. I guess initially the house is not done yet, but we 
we are here because we want to see how they're doing these walls. Tell us about this technology, Frank. Well, this technology actually is technology that's been around for quite a while now. Um, we're just in the last 20 years seeing it to start to move into the southern states. But essentially, it's called insulated concrete forms, or you'll hear people call it ICF. You have a concrete wall that is poured inside of two layers of uh, rigid insulation, uh, ex expanded polystyrene on the outside. And so essentially, that acts as not only a vapor barrier, but also your insulation, and it stays in place. So think of it as a formed-in-place, cast-in-place wall and you're you're putting actually the insulation on the inside and the outside and it stays there you know throughout it doesn't get taken away once the concrete wall is done the insulation on both sides plus the concrete what kind of efficiency rating are we talking about well, you're, you're looking at a wall that typically is going to, because of the, uh, thermal mass properties, this wall is actually going to perform like an R30 to an R30A wall. So it's a highly efficient, usually a good 20 to 25% or better, more efficient than a wood-framed wall. And it actually allows you to reduce your heating and cooling load in the home as a whole. So you get a reduction on your HVAC equipment up front, but utility utility bills are usually anywhere from 40 to 60% less than conventional framed homes. When you are doing a Habitat home and you are going to be gifting that to someone, uh, obviously they're going to be income qualified for it, and you're talking about saving them money for as long as they live here. That's true, and that was one of the big focuses that we had in wanting to build a, a, these uh, homes for Habitat, and by the way, we're doing this in all 50 states. We we're calling it our 50 and 5 program, where we're actually building a concrete home in every one of the, the 50 states, and right now, by the end of this year, we're slated to be close to 30 of those homes being complete, but basically what we're seeing is that you know, utility bills will be cut in half. Not only will utility bills be cut in half, but also you'll be seeing that the, um, the storm resilience. Uh, we just built uh, several of these homes out in Paradise, California after the wildfires came through. So they're a two-hour wall. They're non-combustible. Uh, they are tornado resistant up to a 250 mile an hour wind so they're a far superior exterior wall and it's just a great system for somebody who is in that income bracket because it's going to be very little burden on the homeowner so when you think about a supply chain constraint maybe that we've seen with pressure treated wood and other things during the pandemic how does ready mix kind of shape up in terms of a supply chain issue is it something you guys can continue to make as much as you need or are there components that can cause a constraint there too so we've been very fortunate in that you know considering all the supply chain issues that we've seen over the united states you know over the last couple of years the thing about ready mix concrete is it's all locally sourced wherever you're at you're getting ready mix concrete from a local plant so it's locally sourced we really don't see any you know serious wait times other than the demand has been so high here lately that instead of being able to call one day and getting concrete the next day you might be waiting a week but that's really been the, the majority of the issues we've had we've we've had some cement issues from time to time but really quite honestly i mean nobody is waiting more than a week to 10 days for concrete now we've got about 90 million cubic yards of ash uh, coal ash across our state in various ponds around i think one of the magical things about what you're doing uh, is that there is an a percentage of coal ash that goes into these walls and become inert uh, and captured um, forever. That's correct. I mean, one of the beauties of ready-mixed concrete uh, compared to the other major structural materials out there is that we have not only the ability to embody our own carbon, but also to embody carbon from other industries. And uh, fly ash is a, is a great uh, substitute, uh, you know, as a mixed uh, design, but also at the same time, the thing about concrete, and we have a relationship with uh, MIT up in Boston. They do a lot of research for us. We found that actually ready-mixed concrete, once it's placed, it has the ability to continue to absorb atmospheric carbon so we really are one of the greenest materials out there you can be building with today well thank you so much for your leadership on this and for you know just making yourself available to energy matters to tell us about this cool technology well thank you for the opportunity we appreciate you letting us be here hey with spencer fry the director for habitat for humanity we've just heard about the technology on the build here this is different than y'all normally do yeah, this is a different style. This is going to be made out of uh, ICF forms, which are insulated concrete forms. And it's a way to um, 
provide energy efficiency opportunities to our homeowners without passing along an extra cost. Because currently with the lumber prices, uh, the concrete price for the exterior walls is less expensive and more energy efficient. Every dollar you can save them uh, through this technology, I mean, that's going to be savings uh, forever as long as they're here. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the homes that we build for our customers make a big difference in their lives. And every dollar that they can save will actually uh, go towards, you know, everyday living. I would guarantee you that our families will spend uh, the extra money that they save from their houses within five miles of their front door, you know. And there, it really makes a difference. And uh, you can get upwards uh, of 60% energy savings on an ICF house as opposed to regular wood frame construction. So that's a major factor in the lives of our homeowners. You know, we talk a lot on our show about energy burden and and there are stones cast at various people, whether it's a utility or the regulators, but this, what you're doing right here, absolutely lowers the energy burden for your homeowners. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, trying to figure out a way that we can build a home more efficiently, um, more quickly, as well as provide a higher uh, savings, energy savings to our homeowners is a win-win for everyone. Just one more thing. I was in America's recently speaking at the Rotary Club there and uh, the home of Habitat. Uh, You know, how does it feel to be a part of an organization that really has just had worldwide impact? Well, it's been a blessing for me to be here for 22 years running the Athens Habitat. Um, You know, what started as a one-year mission turned into this lifetime uh, challenge and opportunity. And it feels amazing. I feel lucky to do what I do day to day. Thanks for being on Energy Matters. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. With Mary and Ivy here, uh, Mary, and you've been working on this house. What has your crew been doing for Habitat in general and in specific for this build? Primarily general carpenter work. We've worked several projects for them for a number of years now. On this particular project, uh, our primary job was building the scaffold. I know you have traveled all over the country on mission trips and doing different building have you ever seen any kind of wall technology like this no i haven't this first project of this type we've been involved in and it's 25 percent more energy efficient than something else and when you think about who's getting this house right this is going to be an income qualified person that you know that has a high energy burden typically and that they've got limited money to spend i mean what a blessing this is absolutely it'll be beneficial to them not only in initial cost but in long run utility cost as you think about some of the things that you guys are doing to serve folks wheelchair ramps handicap access for uh, for restrooms for seniors uh, you know what is it mean to you and your team when you provide something to someone that they really needed to be able to just operate you know on a day-to-day basis it's tremendously fulfilling i know that uh i've realized early on in my life that god gave me certain gifts and he wanted me to use those gifts in his service and i'm very pleased to be able to do so thanks for being on energy matters you bet and now with the man himself uh, Charles Smith, VP of Operations for Habitat here. We've talked to Spencer. We've talked to some of the crew here. We've talked to the guys designing this technology. How great is it to provide a ultra energy efficiency house to one of your homeowners? So we are over the top delighted about being able to provide this opportunity. The new homeowner, her energy bills will be 60% less than my energy bills. We're able to pass that along to her, and we hope to be able to replicate this construction in the future as well. You know, if we could take this technology and put it on half the houses in Georgia, we could probably close a power plant. That would be great for me. I don't know what that means for, for someone from the Public Service Commission. <laughs> but that would be great for me. It would be great for us. It would be great for our economy. It would be great for our environment. And we hope to be able to do this in a big way as we move forward. Yeah, so just the last thing, how does a person qualify to be able to get in line for a Habitat home? Because, I mean, you're, you're building these and there's a limited number that, that you're able to do. 
So first, someone has to be in need of affordable housing. That means they qualify at a certain level. They can't make too much. They can't make too little. Have to have the ability to pay. We offer a zero interest loan, and then folks walk in at that for 25 years, 30 years. If we sell the home for $100,000 at 30 years, that's a $300 a month mortgage payment plus taxes and insurance on top. And how can folks give to Habitat here in Athens if they want to help you do more? Thank you so much. Go to AthensHabitat.com, donate through there, or contact Charles Smith at Charles at AthensHabitat.com, and I'll be glad to take your money. And go dogs. Go dogs. Hey, wrapping up this segment with Eric Arnold, who's chair of Habitat Humanity Georgia. How cool is it to build a very energy efficiency house? Oh, it's, it's very cool. So, you know, my commissioner, my day job at Georgia Power is I run our energy efficiency programs. So to be a part of this Habitat project, knowing that we're not only providing equitable housing to somebody, but we're building it very energy efficient so they can not worry about utility bills as they move in and they can enjoy the comfort of a home like many of us enjoy. So it's very, very exciting to be out here to uh, witness this uh, special occasion. And there you have it, just a great thing happening here in Athens, building a super energy efficiency home for a new homeowner. Tim Eccles, stick around. We'll be back with one more segment. Creative Solar USA is a Georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems. With their NABCEP certified installers, they ensure you receive the highest quality solar energy system in the industry. They're proud to work with you before, during, and after the install, blending customer demand, system capability, and expertise to provide the best service possible. Contact them today at 770-485-7438 or creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. Reducing pollution from the transportation industry is an important goal, and few alternative vehicle fuels offer the distinct advantages of compressed natural gas. I myself drive an F-150 C&G pickup. Marlin Compression, part of Marlin Gas Services, is helping to usher in this clean energy future to the Port of Savannah, too. Not only is Marlin Compression a trusted provider of CNG for fleet fueling, they are also working with Port Fueling Center on a state-of-the-art CNG truck fueling facility. Learn more about the distinct economic and environmental advantages of using natural gas for trucking fleets of all sizes and explore all of Marlin services by visiting marlincompression.com. That's marlincompression.com. Calculate your savings today. Hey, back in the studio, Tim Eccles, my co-host, Casey Boyce from Decatur. Casey, going out to that Habitat build and seeing this new technology, not really new, he said, but it was new to me. And I, I mean, you know, I've got a I've got a stick-built house that has hardy plank on the outside and typical sheetrock on the inside. You've you've seen this concrete stuff, Casey? You've heard of this? Yeah. So uh, this insulated concrete form is uh, something that I've actually seen a couple of residential buildings built that way, and it's it's actually similar, Tim, to how my house is built. So we we don't uh, have concrete, but we use something called a structural insulated panel, and rather than using concrete, it's basically a uh, an Oreo cookie sandwich with uh, with OSB on the inside and the outside, and then that same kind of polystyrene foam on the inside for insulation. Uh, but being able to do it with the concrete uh, makes it all the more stronger, and and it's really cool. Yeah. So I hadn't seen this up close, but they had this polystyrene. It's they almost put it together like puzzles mm-hmm. on the outside. So it's small pieces that are put together like a puzzle on the inside of what will be the concrete pour and on the outside so the polystyrene was already there and then they had this channel i guess in between where they're going to pour this concrete in Mm -hmm. and then i guess casey on the inside they'll then add another layer of wallboard 
and then on the, on the outside some kind of facade or or something like that but those walls are going to be really thick by the time they're done yeah well and they're going to be really well insulated which is a point I, tim have you ever seen any uh of the like infrared photos of a stick build no, house before no, huh? so one of the things that's really cool and, and you know our listeners can google this and and find some but if you take an infrared picture of a stick built house you can actually see where the studs are from the outside because what's happening is that they're they're doing what's called thermal bridging right so the temperature inside it's kind of being drawn through the wall through that stud to the outside and that heat actually radiates so you can see where the actual studs are in these thermal images wait a second you're you the heat in your house is actually seeping out without any holes conduction yeah it's being conducted out through that. And so the cool thing about these insulated concrete forms is that it's a continuous layer of insulation. So you don't have any of that thermal bridging and all of that warmth or cool air or whatever it is that you want to stay inside the home stays inside the home. Well, it's not like we're using any rare earth you know, elements to, to make this. How come more people aren't building homes with, with this particular style? Well, it's a little bit more complex. So both the insulated uh, concrete form as well as the structural insulated panel, um, most builders just aren't used to using those. We've got a house in our neighborhood that is uh, built with insulated concrete forms, really cool house, Um, but it took probably a good three plus years for them to build it. And I talked to the owner and he said, the problem is that, you know, getting the, and this was, you know, built back, uh, you know, probably, I don't know, 10 years ago, but getting good people who know how to pour solid concrete and to work with it because they were all doing commercial jobs. They weren't taking small residential jobs like his. Casey, we've talked about your hardy plank that's on the outside of your house and how it has a coal ash component yep. uh, rendering it, uh, I guess, inert. Um and the ready mix guys that we heard in the interview, well, they were talking about the coal ash component in in their ready mix. Yeah, well, it's it's a great use. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but you know, when we think about sustainability. Part of what drives sustainability is being able to use things in a closed loop system, right? You think about a forest, right? There's nothing that goes to waste in a forest. A tree grows, when it dies, it falls down, and then it gets you know eaten essentially as food for moss and for you know insects and things like that so this is part of how we can create more of a closed loop system to use that coal ash in a way that's productive for greener buildings and if we've got 90 million cubic yards i guess is, is how we measure it of coal ash in various ponds it's a lot and, of houses and when we can not just get we don't have to give it away we can sell it exactly uh, and our ratepayers, you know benefit from that and then all of a sudden you're building a house with a higher R factor and, and you're saving energy. I mean, it just seems like that's a win all the way around. Absolutely. Well, and, and I love the way that you frame that, right, is this idea of taking coal ash from something that's a net negative, right? You've got to pay to store it and make sure that it doesn't leach into groundwater and stuff like that. And that costs money and flipping it around and actually selling it. Well, okay, so that then offsets other money, right? It's turning that cost into a profit, and that that's one of the beauties of sustainability. I know that over the next 10 years, I think, we're going to be selling over 10 million metric yards of this coal ash into the cement business. And one of the things that Georgia Power told me is that with all the coal plants that are closing, the supply of ash is decreasing, mm-hmm. making our ash in the ground more valuable. Uh, and so very interesting. I think I think if we could see more of this type of technology that we're talking about with this habitat build done, seems like we get rid of our coal ash, we lower the energy cost, uh, particularly like this this is a low income family that's living in this habitat home. Uh, it's reducing their energy burden. yeah. Um, and and we produce a safer home. Uh, because it seems like this is going to be a pretty safe home against any kind of tornado or anything like that. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not a structural engineer, but from what I understand, these kinds of homes, insulated concrete forms or structural insulated panels are much stronger against tornadoes, against hurricanes than traditional stick built houses. Let's talk a little bit about uh, about low income rate payers. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk out there about environmental justice, about uh, lowering the energy burden for people. Uh, we obviously have a senior discount. We have this HopeWorks program for 
hot water heat, gas hot water heaters and gas furnaces that basically replace both of those units at no charge to a low income homeowner over mm-hmm. 65 you know who meet the income qualifications that has been uh just a great blessing we've got rebates available to people we've got energy efficiency programs that we've rolled out like the rise program which i modeled after the pay as you save uh program then we've got the salvation army who is sitting there with millions of dollars uh, some of which we've provided to them through uh, uh, the Universal Service Fund, which is a, a, a gas fund that's really paid into by um, by gas customers and the gas company. So there's a lot out there, Casey. But I mean, the you know the need the need is great. It is, and you know one of the things, Tim, that that we found in in our work is that low income customers differ. And I'm going to make some broad generalizations here, but you think about you know a student who may be counted as low income, uh, but their needs are very different from someone who, you know, maybe they're, you know, 47 years old and they lost their job and they've got a family to support, right? And they're they're low income. Uh, and, and that person is different from maybe a retiree that's on a fixed income. Uh, and so, you know, what we found is that, you know, the utility approaches in helping those customers really need to be very different um, and in a way that responds to the life stage and, you know, sort of the ability of the, the person to engage with things. So it's nice to have a bunch of these different programs that are available so that folks are able to take advantage of the things that are meaningful to them. This RISE program, or the Pay As You Save program, uh, in in the branding that we gave it, basically would spend about $8,000 on a low-income person's home, Mm -hmm. which could be a heat pump. It could be the insulation, maybe both, depending on the size of the house. And we would guarantee a 10% rate reduction, uh, or or, a reduction in their bill. Their bill, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, if it if we couldn't guarantee that, we weren't going to do the program with them. Yeah. And you can tell me, Casey, why why this might be the case. We had a number of people that qualified that would have saved the 10%, that had us come out, do the evaluation, but in the end, they would not pull the trigger and agree to it. Uh, and why do you think a person would be fearful of that? Well, I, I can't speak to the particulars of the program, but one of the things that I've seen a lot of times uh, from utility customers is kind of a questioning of motives. So saying, okay, wait a minute, you want me to spend less on this thing that you sell me, right? And I think, you know, part of it is, you know, people don't understand that in a lot of states that there are specific, in Georgia too, that there are specific targets that the utilities need to meet around things like energy efficiency. Um, And so there's an actual regulated, you know, kind of, you've got to go do this thing for a lot of utilities. Um, and, And the fact that, um, and and probably far too much for what we want to go into this morning, but um, utilities don't necessarily make their money from selling electricity, right? So you know there there is a little bit of a um, kind of mix there between uh, what the utility's financial incentive is and and what customers are. But there's some skepticism that that folks may have. Casey, when we come back for our last segment, I, I want to talk about uh, personal touches yeah. that utilities can give to improve customer engagement you've studied that i want to talk about the difference between more communication and less communication and and how that impacts customer engagement i want to talk about this finding that that utility programs typically aren't reaching the suburban and rural customer yeah and the impact that that might have as well as um this issue regarding natural gas utilities we think about southern gas atlanta gas light here and the what they're facing in terms of a customer defection and why that's happening. So great stuff from Escalant. Hey, Casey, just in the last 10 seconds, where can folks find the study? Yeah, if you want to uh, log on to our website, it's at Escalant, E-S-C-A-L-E-N-T dot co, C-O. Yeah, we'll talk about this study when we come back. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit. And the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. 
Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters, here with Jeff Pratt of Green Power EMC. Jeff, more and more EMCs are offering solar to their members, and you're seeing it grow like crazy across rural Georgia. Tim, you're right. Co-ops in Georgia are doing a great job of deploying solar across the state. In fact, they're leaders in the country with respect to engaging customers and deploying large-scale solar to benefit all their members. Hey, contact your EMC and ask them about their solar energy policy, or just Google Green Power EMC. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at hallboothsmith.com. Hey, Tim Eccles back. Last segment with Casey Boyce as we talk about the Escalant study. Casey, folks may be just joining us. What is Escalant and why are y'all studying? So we are a human behavior and data analytics company. We work with uh, industries that are undergoing disruption, including energy utilities, and help them understand their customers better so that they can serve their customers better. So we're really studying how utility customers engage uh, with their energy utility across the country. One of your findings was that utility programs aren't reaching suburban and rural customers, that they're doing a better job with urban customers. And why is that? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of reasons to that. One is that uh, suburban and rural customers are in in kind of have a very different orientation or set of expectations than rural customers rather than urban customers do. So let's talk about rural customers first that more than anything else, they really want to save money on their utility bill. So they don't really care as much about, you know, I'm speaking in broad brush strokes here. Not everyone falls into this, but in general, they don't care as much about things like, you know, making their life more convenient or environmental benefits. They just want to save money. And so utilities historically have not been very good at marketing programs or even just providing programs that help customers save money. So there's a little bit of a mismatch between what they want and what they're getting. Suburban customers, they also want savings a little bit more than the urban customers, but they also tend to be in a very different life stage. So they they tend to be mid-career with families. They're very busy. They've got a lot going on and they just simply don't have the same amount of time to engage as other com- uh, customers do. And then the last reason here is really about, you know, who works at utilities. And we work primarily with investor-owned utilities like uh, Georgia Power and others like them around the country. And they tend to be located in cities. So the people that work there tend to have a little bit, you know, kind of better orientation towards, okay, the people that live in cities like I do, this is what they want. Um, and in fact, I talked to a client the other day where uh, one of the, the people there actually lives out in, uh, she's got a farm, uh, has horses, 20 acres. And she's like, oh yeah, I need to start talking about my experience with my colleagues more. So is it, the fact that younger people live in cities and they've got phones and they're on them and the utility can send text messages uh, and they're on their phone all the time or not really? That's part of it. Um, you know, younger people tend to like, uh, you know, what, what I'd call newer digital channels like social media, like mobile apps, things like that. Older customers, which tend to be in more rural areas, um, you know, they're more comfortable with websites and email. So it's, a you know, sort of a little bit different orientation towards some of those digital service channels. Um, but but yeah, I, I think that does play into it. We featured recently Bill Branham on the show, and I had a chance when I was in Valdosta to go over to his house he's been a friend for a long time and he's building this this neighborhood of net zero homes mm-hmm. and we're getting ready to build it so i was down there i invited him to the rotary club where i was speaking and he said hey do you have time to come and look at my house i'd never seen it we drove down uh, about three exits from valdosta and he has this 40 acre cleared beautiful flat perfectly flat field his house sits in the very middle <laughs> and on the back of it is a solar sun world mounted on a pole of a 12 kilowatt solar wow. array that tracks with the sun. Wow. Uh, he's got spray foam insulation. He's got, you know, super high sear heat pump. Uh, and he, it, it's a net zero home. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
he has gone to great trouble to do this and he wants to build a whole neighborhood around this house and make the house kind of the clubhouse oh cool um, and so i'm really pumped to to see that he's a rural customer yeah uh and and we were talking about you know evs in south georgia and whether or not you know folks down there would be interested in a net zero home and i do think he would have a harder time in valdosta than say decatur yeah quite quite possibly i I mean i think look you know there are some commonalities people want to save money they want to live in a comfortable home and some of these things around net zero homes can help them accomplish those things your next finding in the study was that in general more communication produces higher customer engagement why is that yeah so i mean this just comes back to if you don't know about it it's really hard to be aware or to to do something about it right so uh, you know utilities have a lot of different programs and offerings um, whether it's different service channels uh, you know some of them have smart speaker skills or you can talk to their alexa skill and have it tell you your bill or energy savings tips Uh, but if customers don't know about it they're not going to do it right and so the more more the utilities are talking to their customers about what they've got, the more likely it is that customers are going to be using the things that they've got. One of the big uh, findings, though, Tim, is that about a third of customers say that they don't recall anything from their utility. And so that's a big opportunity that we see you know, nationally for utilities just to reach more customers and, and you know, put information that's meaningful to those customers in front of them. Yeah, the bottom of this graph uh, you know, has it... it, it uh, uh, I guess the, the, the factors 10 or more at number nine seems to be the highest. And can you explain that? Yeah. So in our survey, we just have limited real estate. <laughs> so we cap it at nine and uh, then there's a checkbox for 10 or more if, if folks are recalling that many communications from their utility. So that's the number of communications. That's right. Uh, so and communication does a bill message count as a communication? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's basically being aware of something that the utility is trying to tell you. And it could be about what they're doing in your community. could be about a program that's available to you. Anything. What about an ad at a football game? Absolutely. That counts. As a, it, as absolutely. A, yeah. Uh, you've, you've got a, a finding that says personal touches yeah. help improve customer engagement. Is that an ad or is that something else? Um, No, that's more about engaging with someone who works for a utility. And so we look at that in kind of two ways. One is if you have field service, right? You've got someone that comes out to your... to your home to relight you know your pilot lights after your gas uh, service has been disrupted or after you you start gas service um we also look at it from just seeing utility people in the community and that could be you know employees all out volunteering and cleaning up a park could be uh you know a friend or or neighbor that works for utility so georgia power uh, sponsors a lot of events. Like I did Paddle Georgia. Mm-hmm. Georgia Power was a sponsor. Uh, I've gone to other environmental events. Georgia Power is a sponsor. I've gone to sporting events. Georgia Power is a sponsor. Uh, they're not using ratepayer money for those sponsorships. They're spending their own money on that. Is that count as a personal touch? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it goes into um, kind of awareness of the the utility and where they are now. You know, one of the things that we look at in our study is where customers want their utility to be involved. Quite frankly, sponsoring sporting events really doesn't show up there. Many, and this is speaking nationally, not necessarily Georgia, but you know, many utility customers want their utility to be helping low-income families, maybe senior citizens, uh, environmental causes, things like that. Um, Tim, let me ask you. So, you know, we're very focused on engagement within our study as a, as a commissioner, as someone who you know regulates uh, one of the major utilities in the state. Well, a couple of the major utilities in the state. Do you care about this kind of thing about customer engagement? I especially care about per- personal touches with customers, myself. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I like for the utility to be personal, friendly, positive, you know, with customers communicating regularly. But I also want to engage with anybody that wants to engage me, right? Mm-hmm. So a person posts something on uh, on Twitter or Facebook, maybe about a bad experience they had, or Georgia Power, my lights are out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to immediately message that person, ask them to call me, and I'm going to then send the utility a note saying, don't know if you know this, but Fred Smith is is out of power at this address. He's frustrated. Uh, so even 
intervening like with a city gas customer. I got a call the other day from a lady that had moved here from Pennsylvania. And uh, she was a northern person, you could tell. And she, she, I mean, does that sound bad? Uh, and, and she, she was, she was just fresh here in the south. Uh, and she was frustrated that she didn't get her senior discount. She had asked for it, and it wasn't shown on the bill. Mm-hmm. And I don't regulate this particular gas company, uh, but I spent twelve minutes on the phone with her, and was really a delightful lady and was so appreciative that I was taking that time with her. Mm. I then called uh, the the Municipal Gas Association of Georgia. They reached out to the gas company. They had a conversation with the lady, retroactively applied Mm. that senior discount and made her very happy. That's great. Now, that was a a 12-minute investment on my part plus a couple of other people uh, from the association and the city, but you wind up with a happier customer who, at the beginning of the call, she was saying, I want to report fraud. Hmm. Uh, so now she's going, you know, now she's now she's really angry and think thinks that someone has defrauded her. Mm-hmm. And at the end, she feels like, wow, I like the South. We didn't, you know, we don't get this kind of, personal service uh, in, in the North. And so a complete change, Casey, that's what I like to see. Yeah, so I love that because it's almost like customer engagement is about the brand promise of the South. I'm being really wonky about it, but the, the fact that we're you know more welcoming and, and you know warm and engaging. So I, I like that. Yeah, so, and I find social media for me is that place where I find people that are unhappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I have an opportunity to make their day a little bit better. I can't always wave a magic wand and you know and solve everything about what they're doing. But I really think, and my daughter and I were talking about this uh, uh, the other day, that you you get points, especially with younger people, for being accessible and being authentic. That counts and it's so important well i hope you find our show authentic and great you can find back episodes at wgauradio.com and click on demand casey thanks for being on today always fun hey tim eccles here i hope you have a fantastic weekend and continue to listen to energy matters Tim Eccles of Energy Matters here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over the state. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. Gerd and all the folks at Solar Sun World understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work for you. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll advise you on the best path forward. And Solar Sun World now offers power purchase agreements. Find them at solarsunworld.com, solarsunworld.com. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.